Like I said, 15 feet, it sure does make a world of a difference. Uh, Brother Andy, uh, he asked me to preach a while back, um, and he probably, like my dad, gave me too much of a notice because I have had ample time to just get thoughts from all over the place, and oh, my mic's not on. Just a second. We good there? Yeah, can everybody hear me? I want to make sure that everyone can hear. Um, Haven't we had some great speakers, though, that have filled this pulpit? Uh, In our congregation, you know, I know it's been said uh, time and time again, but, you know, uh, just from Pastor Philip having to step up and and uh, Robbie and my dad and, and Wyatt and all the guest speakers. Um, it's, it's really been an awesome time for us to, to get to listen to some great speakers. Um, and then you have me. And as, as I get older, I am becoming made aware of the, the ability to say no, uh, the importance to say no. I can't say no. I say yes by nature and uh, that's not always a bad thing, but Dave Ramsey, I don't know if you've taken his class before, he says in his class, it's real easy, just lift your tongue up, touch it to the roof of your mouth, and drop it. No, it's not that hard, and I still can't do it. I said yes, that's why I'm here today, right now, uh, but I'm grateful, uh, but none of the other speakers can say that they're the last resort, because Pastor Andy, praise be to God, is coming back tomorrow, Lord willing, and I'm grateful for him to, to come back, and I know you are too, um, even though it's been, it's been a great time to hear others speak as well. Um, so I, I've never preached. This is my first time to preach, and I counted a great joy, even though it's been really stressful uh, the past couple of months, but as I've studied and as I've prepared, uh, I've been reminded in Scripture Um, Like in Philippians 4, where Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, uh, but in in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, uh, make your requests known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Um, And I I read passages like that, and I'm just uh, reaffirmed and believe that God is going to work through me today. I'm completely relying on Him Um, And I have been in prayer about today, and I know many of you have been praying for me, and I appreciate that, um, because I know that's what what it takes. It takes prayer, and um, it takes uh, me just getting out of the way and just allowing God to speak through me. So I pray this morning that He would would speak through me and and into your hearts um, as believers, that, that God would open your hearts and your minds to receive what He has to share through me. Uh, so, I, in planning for today, I thought it would be most fitting to talk about New Year's resolutions. And then I realized, wow, that's that's some pretty pretty big uh, shoes to fill because it's been a crazy year, um, you know. So something has to be said about this past year. But b- before we before we get into the new year, um, I know everyone has a tendency to focus on what we're going to change um, in the upcoming year. And it's real easy to to start looking at what I'm going to do and how I'm going to be different or, or what I'm going to try to do differently. But I, I want us to take a moment, and not necessarily right now, but just to think on the past year. And maybe you want to forget it. it it's been a crazy year. Um, 
I know a lot has happened in my life and in your life and in Pastor Andy's life, but I encourage you over the next few days before this new year um, to, to take some time and to really think uh, about this past year. Uh, someone told me one time that, that life has lived forward and it's understood backward. And, you know, it makes a whole lot of sense when you take that time to look back on what God has done um, and you think about all the things that he's brought you through, like that uh, last song that we're thinking, life is, life is mountaintops and valleys. And if you ever look at a mountaintop, I don't know if anyone's been to Pikes Peak and you've driven all the way up to the top of Pikes Peak and you've gotten out of your car and you've looked out and you can see for hundreds of miles. There's no trees, there's no vegetation to block your sight. You're on a mountaintop, there's no growth on the mountaintop. And you can see rainstorms hundreds of miles away pouring down on landscapes that you couldn't even get to in a day. And you see valleys and you see the dense growth in the valleys. And, and you see the, the bushes and the shrubs and the vegetation and the rivers. And, and you see that growth. But from the mountaintop, you have perspective and, and you can see the valley. You can see what God has brought you through. So I encourage you before we, we get our minds set on this new year to look back and, and to see those valleys. Um, I know many of you know me and Casey, we had our first baby this year, Josiah. He was born uh, June 19th. And in January of this year, she was three months pregnant. Uh, we, had, we had a lot of, of anxieties and, and stresses you know, things that we, we had no control over with the coronavirus and everything happening, and, and we had no idea what to expect. And granted, it was completely different than we could have ever imagined it to be. But, and we've talked about this since. Looking back now and seeing the, all the procedures and the protocols for maintaining clean air quality and screening who comes in and out of the hospital, as weird as it may be, that, that there couldn't have been a better situation as far as our kid being in the hospital during that time. All the precautions were taken. And, and looking back now, we see that. And at the time, we were just going through the motions and upset that, you know, uh, she can't be there, he can't be there, and only I can come in at this time, and, and I, I can't be in there when they're giving her the anesthesia and all these crazy things, but looking back now, I see how God had his hand on that. And, and we can look at, at Brandon's life um, and his accident and the effect on, on Brenda and Andy. And at the time, how we thought, we really thought that we might not ever see Brandon again. And, and God has poured out his healing power, his restorative power on Brandon and has made a miraculous recovery, almost complete recovery, so much so that we can only point the credit to God. Um, and it's an awesome thing when you take the time to look back uh, on those things. My dad reminded me uh, of a time we were working a few days ago, and I was using a utility knife to cut something, and I got reminded of about three years ago cutting my finger. We were taking a window out of our house and replacing it, and I was cutting to pull the window out, and I had my hand up like this, and I was pulling that utility knife down, and it slipped, and it went in the end of my middle finger. And a few days ago, I was reminded of that pain and I was thankful for that pain. At the time, I wasn't. I grabbed my finger, I dropped down to my knees and dad, what happened? 
And I reminded him a few days ago, you don't remember that time? Remember when I cut my finger? I can feel it right now while I'm using this knife and going through the same motion. And I learned from that and I was reminded of that. So it's important for us to, to look back and be reminded of those, of those valleys and of those mountaintops. I, I think kind of right the point that we're at now about to go into a new year, it's, it's somewhat of a, a mountaintop um, experience, a time where we can look back and gain that perspective. So I want to talk about New Year's resolutions today. And I want you all to look back the next few weeks because in Philippians 4, or the next few days, Philippians 4 verse 8 Uh, Just past where we were just reading, Paul goes on to say, uh, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is admirable, if there's anything worthy of praise, anything excellent, think on these things. Um, Christ is encouraging us to look back and to be thankful, to have an attitude of thanksgiving. Um, So I encourage you to do that. Um, If you want to go ahead, I've got scripture all over the place. Um, I don't have one passage that I'm going to be in this morning, but if you want to look up Romans 6, uh, verse 6, and if you want to go ahead a little bit, you can look up Colossians 1. We'll be reading those here shortly. Uh, But before we get into that, I want to just talk about this idea of a New Year's resolution Um, and kind of what the world says about a New Year's resolution. Um, We all know that a New Year's resolution is a tradition in which a person resolves to continue good practices, change an undesired trait or behavior to accomplish a personal goal or otherwise improve their life. And we can see all throughout history different cultures and different people groups utilizing this idea of renewing. The Babylonians made promises to their gods at the start of each year that they would return borrowed objects and pay their debts. The Romans began each year by making promises to the god Janus. In the medieval era, knights took on vows at the end of the Christmas season to reaffirm their commitment. But here's what I want us to get from this worldly definition of of this concept of a New Year's resolution. This concept, regardless of the culture, regardless of the creed is to reflect upon self-improvement annually. So I want us to think about that. The concept of a New Year's resolution is to reflect upon self-improvement annually. So this idea of self-improvement doesn't seem like too bad of a thing. I mean, after all, Paul encourages us to discipline our bodies, to beat our bodies into submission. In other words, our flesh should have no power. Our spirit should have the power. So this idea of, uh, of self-improvement, it, it can be a good thing. But self-improvement is defined as improvement of self, improvement of one's knowledge, status, or character by one's own effort. And that's where th- this idea of New Year's resolution, can, it can be a little sticky improving your life, improving your status or your character by your own effort. So we need to keep in mind when we look at that today that this idea has originated from the world. Um, And so we need to be careful because our New Year's resolutions can have a tendency uh, to drive us into into a deeper dependence on ourselves. So the world says, what can I do? How can I take control What can I change? What can I resolve by my own power, by my own will? That's that's what the world says. And this morning, uh, kind of 
the, the lineup of, of what we're going to be looking at is what the Bible says, how we are to live according to the Bible. And then I want to give us 10 resolutions. And I'm going to go through them quick. I'm not going to be long-winded. Um, that I challenge you, I challenge our church to adopt these resolutions. Um, and we'll get into those here shortly. So what the Bible says, if you have Romans 6, chapter 6, verse 6, I've got four passages of scripture that I'm going to read just really quick, but I want you guys to follow along in in Romans 6, starting in verse 6. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. Colossians 3, 9, I'm going to read that one next, you don't have to look that one up. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 9 says, Do not lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self, who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Kind of start to see this idea develop here. Ephesians 4, says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted, by its deceitful desires. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So we kind of start to see this idea emerge. You know, it's almost like a New Year's resolution is all about growing yourself. But this idea of being a Christian, of living a Christ, uh, living a, a life following after Christ is all about decreasing yourself. So we need to be careful at how we look at this idea of a New Year's resolution uh, because the essence of following Christ and what was initially displayed at your baptism is a renouncing death of yourself for every effort to improve yourself. It's not about you. It's not about what you can do. It's not about the control that you have. It's not about what you want, what you want to get. It's about giving that control over to God. It's about decreasing and Him increasing. So this common theme in these passages of Scripture is old self gone, no power, no control. So... I heard uh, Phil Robertson say um, in one of his one of his messages. If you haven't heard them preach, they're some great guys, and, and they uh, they go around the country speaking. And um, he said, "There's two two birds. I don't know if everyone anyone's ever realized there's two birds. Your first birth got you here. We are all here. That's no surprise. We're all here. That's the first birth, but the second birth." The first birth got you on this world, but the second birth gets you off of this world. I thought that was really neat how there's this idea of a second birth. And that second birth comes about at the realization of, man, I I can't do nothing on my own. I'm totally dependent upon God. This idea of, of denying yourself, picking up the cross and following Christ. See, I, I used to think that... That my life as a Christian was all about me changing how I behaved. Or in other words, 
this new year, I'm going to try, I'm going to try to do this differently and I'm going to try to read through the whole Bible in a year and I'm going to try to stop drinking sweet tea and I'm going to try, I, I do New Year's resolutions, I'm sure a lot of you do them, but they have a tendency to be me focused. Um, but I, I thought that my second birth was about just me learning to, okay, come on, sweet tea, really? How about I resolve this year to, to pick up God's word and read it more? I need to make that choice. I need to do that. And, and I realized it's not about what I do. See, that's what the Pharisees and the Sadducees thought. The people that Christ ridiculed the most when he came were the Pharisees and the Sadducees, those who were closest to the law. Uh, those, those who memorized the law, like Wyatt was saying last week, uh, they memorized large portions of the Old Testament. They had the law memorized, but they didn't know it. They didn't understand it. They thought that that law was how they needed to live. And the whole point of the law, and I have, I have learned this recently, the whole point of the law is not so we can just follow the law because Christ came and he said that if you look upon someone with hate in your heart, then the act of murder has already been committed. Christ took it a step further. The law was to show four things. Show how sinful we are, to show how helpless we are, to show us how much trouble we are in, and to lead us to Christ. See, the law was given so that we would realize that we need a Savior. We were put on this earth. Adam and Eve were put in the garden. They were given one job and they failed. And God said, "Uh uh-uh, I'm going to save you. And he sent his son. All through the Old Testament, these sacrifices, they weren't enough. These doing this and doing that weren't enough. He had to send his son. And God said, look what I'm going to do. I'm going to send my son. He's going to be the perfect sacrifice. He's going to come and he is going to embody the law, the only person who can embody the law. And he's going to die a sinless death for you and for me. So the Pharisees had an attitude of self-righteousness. And I think that can creep into our New Year's resolutions. That's where I was going with that. I might have got off on a little tangent there. So self-righteousness is bad. Okay, do you have... Colossians chapter 1 pulled up. I have it. I had to look it up. When I was studying, I heard this preacher say, if you're having trouble finding Colossians, just remember, go eat popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. So, take it or leave it. I thought it was funny. (laughs) So, we're in the corn part of that acronym. Colossians chapter 1, we're going to be reading verse 9 through 14. And this text reads, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all aspects, in all, in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthen with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints 
in light. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sin. Let's, let's pray together. Dear God, we're so grateful and, and so thankful for the promise um, that we see in this passage of Scripture, Father. Uh, God, we're thankful for uh, the call to grow in our wisdom and understanding, Father, to walk in a, in a manner worthy of you, Father, to bear fruit in every good work, um, to grow in our knowledge of you, Father, strengthened by your power and by your might. Uh, Father, we're so thankful for the um, inheritance, Lord, that we have through your Son, God, thank you for choosing us before the foundations of the earth. Father, we're, we're so grateful for his mission, what he came and sought to do, Father. So that as we look at these New Year's resolutions, God, we just pray that your spirit would speak through me, God. Allow me to get out of the way, Father. I pray for everyone, um, Lord, out there listening right now, God, that you would uh, allow them to lay aside anything that might distract God, that you would open their eyes and open their hearts to, to see the truth that you have to share with me um, and, and with them, Father. Uh, Lord, and we're so thankful. Everybody said, Amen. Okay, so this passage of Scripture here, we kind of see a question form. Th- this is an awesome passage of Scripture, and I encourage you to go back and read it. Um, the question is, are we fully pleasing to God? Is everything that we do, is it fully pleasing to God? So I have 10 uh, New Year's resolutions that I'm going to go through really quick, and that's it, and we're going to close it out. But uh, um, I want to go through these. These New Year's resolutions, I truly believe, if we adopt them individually, if we adopt them in our uh, families, if we adopt them in our church, that we will be moving in the direction that everything that we do will be pleasing to God. Um, So, resolution number one is that we resolve to read, to meditate, and to memorize His Word. That we resolve to read, meditate, and memorize His Word. God has spoken, amen? He has given us his word. The same God that from his very breath spoke all of existence into being, that same God has inscribed his words in this book that we all have. Isn't that an awesome, amazing thing? He speaks to us through this book. God still speaks. God still speaks to all of us individually, And he speaks through his word. We have to know his voice. And the only way to know his voice is to be in tune with his word. To be constantly um, in tune with his word and with what he has to say. So our first resolution is to read, meditate, and memorize his word. We ought to be able to just leave it there in the sermon and all go home if we truly believe that this are the very words of God, that this book is the very words of God, we, we ought to be able to abandon everything else and make it our life's mission to memorize this book that we have been given. God will speak in 2021. Make no mistake, he will speak. The question is, are we going to be there to hear and will we be able to recognize 
that that is his voice. So I resolve, number one, that we read, meditate, and memorize his word. Number two, I resolve that we make prayer a priority. Prayer a priority. Probably the most neglected part of um, our, our life as, as Christians. I, I know I'm speaking from my past experience. And I think that's for two main reasons. Prayer requires us to stop doing and to spend time. And we all don't have the time right now. And I, I really believe that that attitude of, I don't have the time to do this, I have to do that, I have to do that, I have to do this, that comes from the enemy. The enemy knows that the time is near. And so he has everyone in this attitude of, I don't have time, I've got to go over here and then I've got to run by there. We don't have the time to sit down and to spend time stopping whatever we're doing and praying and being in communication with our Heavenly Father. I heard um, in college, uh, whenever I was at Laterno, we, uh, we had this big worship service every year. It was called Revive, and all of the uh, worship leaders on campus got together, and we put, we put a lot of work into it. There were a few people that really headed it up and picked the songs and picked the scriptures, and it was just a night of worship, and it was an awesome thing, one of the greatest things I've been a part of, and I remember one practice in particular that we all showed up and we had the songs, we had all the information ahead of time so that we could be practicing uh, before we actually got to the team practice and not a whole lot of people had been going over their music and everyone was saying, I don't have time, I don't have time. And the leader of our group stood up and said, I'm sick and tired of hearing that excuse. We all have the same amount of time it's a matter of us making time for the things that we want to make time for. And man, that hit, me, that hit me deep. And I've never forgotten that. And I never will forget that. But we make time for what we want to make time for. John Piper says that Facebook and Twitter are going to prove that in the last day that prayerlessness was not because of a lack of time. That one hit me too. Facebook and Twitter, social media, how many times do we spend on, on those things? You can look it up on your phone. You can go to the report and see how many hours, hours a day you have been spending on your phone. And I, man, I thought that was awesome what John Piper said there. Prayer requires us to spend our most valuable commodity. It's not money, it's time. Your most valuable commodity is your time because you can't get more of it. You can get more money, but you can't get more time. Christ, who is arguably the most busy person in all of history, when you think about, he didn't have a home. He traveled. He was on numerous ministry journeys, constantly discipling other people. Christ made time for prayer. In Luke chapter 6, verse 12, I'll give you a second to turn there because I need a drink of water. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. It's a real short verse. This is right before um, the Beatitudes sermon um, that Christ delivered. 
Luke is writing, and he says in, in verse 12, In these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. How many of us have prayed all night? I haven't. I'll be the first to tell you I've never spent an entire night in prayer. But Christ did, and Christ made time for it. So the second resolution is to make prayer a priority. Resolution number three is to kill sin. Kill sin. I came across this, uh, this doctrine of mortification. Um, the Puritans kind of developed this idea of mortification, which basically means that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to actively engage in killing our sin. Actively engage in killing our sin. The Puritans would pray about this and they would sing about this. They would sing songs about them being actively involved through the power of the Holy Spirit and killing their sin, targeting certain sins and killing them. Where did they get this idea from? Colossians chapter 3 verse 5. Colossians chapter 3 verse 5 says, Put to death therefore what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetedness, which is idolatry. We must be intentional about killing our sin. I think that's the key here. If we can be intentional about certain sins, if we can, because nobody wakes up in the morning and says, how am I going to kill pride today? They wake up in the morning and they begin plotting on any, any occurrence of pride in my life. I'm going to eradicate it through the power of the Holy Spirit as God's word commands. I'm going to eradicate pride. And they spend that whole day intentionally looking for any amount of pride or any bit of pride to arise and they eradicate it. That's, that's awesome and I think that's the key. John Owen, who was a Puritan, one of his most famous quotes were, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. And when I read that, it became very clear that those are the only two options. There's no happy medium. Either your sin is ruling over you or you are ruling over your sin. So I thought that was an interesting, interesting quote. So number three resolution was that we resolve in 2021 to actively kill our sin through the power of the Holy Spirit. Number four, I resolve that we share the gospel. And I'm speaking to myself here, but when you ask most Christians, this is probably the number one go-to area of improvement in your life as a Christian, especially when you're around the new year time of the year and you're looking at how, how can I improve or how does Christ want me to get better? It's this idea of sharing the gospel. Why? Why is it so hard? So hard to share the gospel. I was researching a, a couple of different pastors, and one of them had this to say. I found it very interesting. Because the reason we don't want to share the gospel is because we are all lulled to sleep, drunk on the world. And he gave some scripture references of this. First Thessalonians 5, 6 so let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. So let us keep awake and be sober. Second Timothy four five says, 
As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of evangelism, and fulfill your, mem- your ministry. 1 Peter 1.13 says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revel- revelation of Jesus Christ. And in 1 Peter 4, 7, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. So we see this idea of being sober, being sober-minded. And this preacher said, he's not talking about alcohol to the lost, talking about being drunk on the world, being desensitized to the lost people around you. Being desensitized to lostness is how he described it. And I found that to be very interesting because when I think about our world today and I think about all the areas that we're being spoken to through the TV, through radio, through our cell phones and social media, we are being constantly bombarded with too much information. Um, And I really believe that that over-information can cause us to be drunk on the world or can cause us to be desensitized to lostness. So how do we know if, the, if we are desensitized to lostness? And he, in, he encouraged us to all uh, ask ourselves, do we sense a heaviness when we're around the lost? When you're around people that you know are lost, like if you're at a, a ball game or in a big crowd of people, do you ever ask yourself or, or feel the weight of the amount of people there who might not know Christ that's a way that we can tell if we've been desensitized to lostness. Uh, so number four is I resolve that we share the gospel more in 2021. Number five, I resolve and I challenge you that we walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5.16 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. What does this mean, to walk by the Spirit? Does it mean to just walk around and be in a state of meditation and, and constantly, you know, I don't know what you might think walk by the Spirit means, but it just simply means to live out the fruits of the Spirit. And if you're, you were in a Philip Sunday School class, we just took a look at those, the fruits of the Spirit being love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I think that's right. So just simply to live those out, to make them a part of your life. And it may seem overwhelming uh, initially. i got to do all those all the time. But how about this new year, we take one a day and we focus on that specific fruit of the Spirit, like patience. And we say, God, help me to be patient today. Show me how I can be patient. And go about your day and have this idea of patience in your mind and ask God to show you how you can be patient with your coworkers or patient when you're on the road and you're in traffic or patient with your kids or patient with your spouse. Um, I encourage us to just take one at a time. So that's number, I lost track here. Number five, walk in the Spirit. I resolve that we walk in the Spirit this new year. Number six, I resolve that we rejoice even when it's difficult. 
Philippians 4, verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. It's an interesting tactic. He's repeating it twice there. How many parents have told your kid, pick up the trash? Pick up the trash. They weren't listening to you the first time. It's a tactic of, hey, listen to me. I have something important to tell you. And here in uh, Philippians, you see Paul using the same tactic. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. I'm sure one day I'm going to be saying, Josiah, go clean your room. Josiah, go clean your room. I'm going to be using this same tactic to get his attention. And Paul is trying to use the same tactic to get our attention uh, to always rejoice. Uh, Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19. Did I say that right? Habakkuk. That's a hard one for me to pronounce. Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19 says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will take joy in and the God of my salvation. God, the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places. Will we resolve to rejoice even when it's difficult this next year? Number seven, I resolve that we grow in love. Philippians 1, 9, uh, verses 9 and 10. If you want to turn there, Philippians 1, 9 through 10. I'll give you a second to turn there. This is a big one. I never thought that I could talk for this long. It has to be God. <laughs> I thought I would go 15 minutes and lose my train of thought. My dad shared with me this morning that who God calls, he equips. So to say that I'm not prepared is, is to go against what he has promised us in Scripture, and I'm thankful for that. Philippians 1, 9 through 10 says, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Again in John 13, we see the same idea. You shall, now, you shall know that you are my disciples by your love. So this idea of love is like our identity marker. If you're married, you have a ring and this ring symbolizes that you're married. It's a, a picture of God's love for us. It's eternal. It has no beginning or end. And that's the love we're supposed to imitate in our marriage. FedEx and UPS drivers, we've seen a lot of them, them lately. What do they have? They, they've got uniforms. You know if he is a prime delivery guy or a UPS delivery guy because they have uniforms. And those uniforms are their identity marker. And us as Christians, it's love. Love is our identity marker. So will you grow in love? Will you resolve to grow in love this next year, 2021? Number eight, I resolve that we depend on God more and self less. This is probably one of the most convicting for me in, in preparing this sermon because I relied on 
looking things up on YouTube and Google and having all this information just clicks away. But do we ever take the time to say, God, I need you. Not God, I need something from you, but God, I need you. I can't do fill in the blank without you. I can't go to work today without you. I can't preach this sermon without you. I can't do this without you. Fill in the blank. Do we ever ask ourselves that? God, I need you. I don't need something from you, but I need you. Psalms 121 verse one says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. I really think technology has hindered us in this area. I think the wealth of information that's right in our hands uh, can really keep us from depending on God. But I want you to remember that the central message of, of the gospel is that we can't do it on our own, that we need God, we depend on him. So I challenge you this uh, new year to depend on God more than yourself. Number nine, I resolve that we all know God and draw near to him. My dad preached on this uh, a while back, um, that we draw near to God, that we know God. And we looked at this idea of know and how it comes from the Greek word gnosko, which is to know absolutely, to have a deep relationship with, something that takes time, that takes effort. Um, It's not just knowing like the Pharisees did the law and to abide by them, but it's deeper than that. It's understanding. It's a, it's a deep, intimate relationship with God. James 4, 8 says, Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So will you resolve to know God and draw near to him this new year? Number 10, last resolution, and then we're going to close. Will you resolve to rest in the finished work of Christ? Our understanding, our being, everything is made complete in Christ and his finished work on the cross. Christ, he cried out on the cross, it is finished. You can forget everything else, all of the resolutions, if you can just remember that Reaching this place that God wants us to be is only possible through Christ and what he did on the cross. We can't earn our salvation or we can't earn anything by our works or what we do. Um, We can't go about checking the boxes and resolving to read the Bible every day and and just check that box. But it has to be God working through that um, and God behind it all. So... Number 10, will you resolve to rest in the finished work of Christ this new year? So in closing, let's live our lives in overflow of faith in him. Don't obey by your own strength or power or resolve, but rather trust in Christ more this year. Have a deeper dependence on him this new year. Ask him to do these things. In you, ask him to do these things in you to to produce faith in you and to bring forth the fruit that only he can bring. We don't want to live a life that 
that we can manufacture on our own flesh or by our own strength, but rather we want to live a life that is impelled by the very Spirit of God in us because He can do immeasurably more than we can ever think to do or imagine. We want Him to do things in and through us that we could never do on our own. This is not a a self-improvement, self-help seminar for how we can get the most out of 2021 that defeats the whole purpose of Christianity. We have died to self as Christians and Christ lives in us. So I encourage you and I challenge you to press into him individually as families, as spouses, as churches. My prayer is that we trust in Christ and we press into him and that we live our life this year in overflow of faith in him. Let's pray. God, we're so grateful for your word, God. We're so grateful for your son, God, and for uh, reconciling us in your eyes through his blood, Father. It's only by his blood that we can move forward. Uh, Father, we're so reliant and dependent upon you um, and your word, God. I pray, Lord, that in all of our hearts this new year would challenge us in our walk with you. You would teach us how we can decrease ourselves and increase you in us, God. And I ask, Father, Lord, that you would allow us to to be able to look back on this crazy year and see how you were working in our midst, God. Lord, we love you and we trust in you. You're our solid rock. You're our firm foundation, God. It's in your name that we pray. Everybody said.